0: With the 25th pick in the 2018 NBA draft, the Los Angeles Lakers select Moritz Wagner from Berlin and the University of Michigan.
1: Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where Mo's so nice, we're running him back twice, back-to-back Mo Wagner specials for a good old-fashioned twofer. Although I guess it's not really a twofer, but anyways, tonight we move from the strength and conditioning body prep of things to the actual on-court basketball application of all that work as Moe's basketball skills coach Alex Bazell of Pure Sweat Basketball hops on to take us through the journey Moe took to get to this point and what he's doing now to get himself ready for the king. But first, Tommy, what do you call a Moe Wagner who stumbled into a posse of dudes who secretly love to sing and harmonize together while choreographing to the rhythm of their own beats? What? Motown. Ew. Ew. You know, like O Town, All or Nothing, Liquid Dreams, Motown. All right. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, on, on that note, Mo Wagner's got no time for for boy band stuff because he's busy getting his work on with his basketball click, and that click includes Travel Gaines, who we interviewed on our last episode, and Alex Bazel, who we're interviewing tonight. But Tommy, before we get to my really insightful interview with Alex, how have you been doing? You've kind of been MIA for a little bit, but uh, how's your summer going?
2: Summer's going well, dude. This is honestly like, maybe I feel this every summer, and maybe if I actually listened to these podcasts, (laughs) like the old ones, and went back, I would probably say the same thing every time, but I feel like the summer has been dragging, man. Oh my god, I just, I can't wait for... The games to start and for us to see lebron in a jersey and for us to see like even like those first few days of practice when they allow the media in and we're just going to get like those clips of what's going on i'm (laughs) oh my god i'm going to be so lit when that happens and so it's like just waiting for that to happen is has been kind of excruciating but um you know i'm a strong man and i will persevere (laughs) You should listen to
1: our podcast, by the way, because we've been helping in that department, helping tide you guys over through these summer doldrums. Um, with that said, before we get into some additional Lakers talk and our interview with Alex, as usual, please follow us on Twitter at Pod. Please also rate interview us on iTunes because the more you rate interview us, that's how many times LeBron James will mistakenly get Mo and Zoo confused with one another this season and eventually just fuse the two together and call one or both of them the same name. Moritza <laughs> <laughs> Um So yeah, please, please rate interview us on iTunes so we get more of those funny LeBron James mistaking Mo for Zoo and Zoo for Mo and all that jazz. On another note. Do you know how easy it is to accidentally spell misspell Mo Wagner as Mo Wanger?
2: <laughs> he should go by Mo Wanger if you know what I'm saying.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, and as I was typing up the outlines for this episode, like I honestly caught myself so many times accidentally writing. Oh God, that says Wanger. Freudian slip. But Tommy, I ask you now: Mo Wanger or less Wanger for you? <laughs> More Wanger, please. <laughs> all right anyways i don't want to debase the value of this episode because honestly it's a really good one and um alex bazell does a great job tonight just giving us a lot of insight into how the pre-draft process works you'll learn a lot about the inside stuff that goes behind the pro day um going into the combine and all the chatter behind mo Wagner leading up to the draft and what other teams were interested in him and then on the tail end of that, you'll also learn about what they've been working on with Mo this offseason to prepare him for LeBron's arrival in L.A. So yeah, catch our last episode, our Mo Wagner part one episode with Mo's strength and conditioning trainer, Travel Gaines of Athletic Gaines. As I mentioned in the last episode, that was more of our muscle gains, muscle watch portion. But as you'll notice and as you'll learn with most of these off-season training sessions that players undergo there's always a strength and conditioning component and then there's a basketball skills component so it's cool that we're able to round it out fully with this second part episode featuring alex bazell before we get to that though tonight's non-mo wagner specific more general lakers topic is tommy out of the young core who are you most excited to see make that leap this season and maybe this is a separate question, but out of that same young core, who do you think will actually have the easiest time making that leap? Um, for me,
2: the person I'm most excited to see take a leap is definitely going to be Lonzo. Um, mm-hmm. I just think that last year there were so many... And, and again, I I don't think I'm like as much of a Lonzo stan as you know, you can find on the internet. I do think I am somewhat of a Lonzo stan, so I'll caveat all of all of this with with that fact. But I think Lonzo's last season was just so odd. Um, it's hard for a point guard to, you know, transition to the NBA. Um, believe it or not, despite Lonzo's shooting numbers last year, among other rookie point guards in terms of shooting efficiency... You know, besides the raw stats, in terms of shooting efficiency, Lonzo was actually one of the better ones. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's, like, right when he started to get in a rhythm and he had, like, a several-week span where he was, like, shooting 40% from three, all of a sudden he gets hurt with this weird injury. And even when he came back from the injury, again, I'm not trying to make excuses for this guy, but, like, clearly he was not the same. You know what I mean? Like, everything else was the same, but it was affecting his game in ways that I think were not clear until they had to shut him down. And it was revealed later on that, Oh, he was playing this whole time with like a slightly torn meniscus that they thought might heal by itself. And then, you know, it's like hard to diagnose. And then they realize it was a torn meniscus and it's like, okay, now he has to have surgery. So it's like he he had been playing with that since like that Dallas game where he like bumped knees with Dennis Smith Jr. or whatever. So Mm-hmm. It was a long time and a long chunk of the season and it's, you know, it's already hard as a rookie point guard and I just think he did so many other things well and I think if he can literally just get his shot down this year, he's going to be a really, really good player and um, I've been very bored as I mentioned the summer. So I've watched like, I mean, if you go on YouTube, man, you can yeah. like literally find videos of like every assist I mean Pete Pete Zayas has videos of every pass for like significant chunk it might be the entire season actually he breaks it into thirds but it's like every pass Lonzo Ball made over the course of the season that led to an advantage offensively whether or not it was an assist um Hmm. I've watched all those I've watched you know other YouTube clips that's Lonzo, every field goal that Lonzo Ball made the entire season, you know, every highlight play, quote unquote, that he made the entire, every play, every like counting stat, like that he had, like basically there's videos where you can watch like every basket he made you get the idea, every assist, every steal. Like I watched all of this. I think this guy is really good despite what happened last year. And I think he's going to make a big leap. I think. I, to answer your second question, I think I would also say Lonzo, but secondarily, mm-hmm. just for a change-up, I'll say B.I. because I think B.I. puts a lot of pressure on himself to create so much on his own, um, and he's a really good off-the-ball player. Um, shout out again, Pete Zayas. He has a video. I think it might be his, most, his latest video. Um, it's on B.I.'s off-the-ball movement and how LeBron is going to make that even more potent, but... B.I. moves really, really well off the ball, and LeBron will not miss you if you're open off the ball. And so I think B.I. is just going to benefit from having so many more open shots, number one. And number two, defenses are going to be so focused on B.I. that it's like, we don't have to rely on B.I. to go like full Kobe mode to save us, which, Mm -hmm. you know, it seems weird to say that for a guy who was, you know, 20 years old last year, but... B.I. did have to sometimes go like full Kobe mode for us to like try to get us some sort of offense. Yeah. And I think that LeBron is going to, you know, make that to where it, he doesn't need to do that anymore. And um, I think it's going to help him a lot.
1: Yeah. So for the first question, I am most excited to actually see B.I. explode to that next level. But I also acknowledge that he may have the biggest adjustment. I'm not sure. Uh, like you said, he, he's also a good cutter which is great, but he also likes the ball in his hands and he excelled as Point Ingram towards the second half of the season. Definitely. So I'm not sure how he's going to do or whether it's going to matter if he's not getting those ball-pounding reps that allow him to kind of just get engaged in the game because, you know, that's why Luke Walton primarily made him a point guard because he even mentioned himself that that really gets Brandon Ingram more involved and allows him to kind of ease into the game more and able to give him that extra boost of energy, just getting that ball-pounding routine in. So I'm not sure if that's going to matter with LeBron James, but I do think it might be an adjustment. And then the other question I have for BI is, has his jump shot progressed to the point where he can be more of a spot-up shooter? On the one end, I do think that with LeBron James on the floor, When he does have some isolation moments, the floor is going to be way more spread for him, and he might only be going one-on-one every time, you know? So it might be easier for him on that end. Um, But yeah, my question is more how he's going to mesh with LeBron James um, if he doesn't have the ball as much in his hands. But B.I. is a quiet and diligent worker. He has been grinding it out this summer with Micah Lancaster, and I think he's been working with several other different skills trainers and trying several out and all that stuff. So I... I'm very excited to see Brandon Ingram continue to make that leap and more so on the defensive end, right? If he can put everything together. And now that he has LeBron James on his team and, and guys like Rajon Rondo and Lance Stevenson, who at least have some semblance of knowing what it, feels like to be on good defensive teams, what that'll do to continue to help spur Brandon Ingram's development on on the defensive end, because he already has the measurables, right? And he's already shown the flashes with his ability to um, move his feet laterally and get blocked shots, get rebounds and all that stuff and use his length um, in very adept ways. But can that translate to a team defensive concept with all these other guys kind of spurring him on? So that's what I'm excited to see. But again, the reason why I don't necessarily think he'll have the easiest time making that leap is because I think there will be an adjustment period with the ball being less in his hands. With that said, for my second question, I think the, the guy who will have the easiest time making that leap, it's probably going to be Kyle Kuzma, just because for me, I feel like he's the easiest target for LeBron James. And if you look at it in this sense, Kyle Kuzma is like a combo of Kevin Love and Andrew Wiggins. So if the Cavaliers had, so if the Cavaliers had actually kept Kevin Love and Andrew Wiggins, he kind of provides you with some of what both can kind of do in terms of he gives you that baseline three point shooting, just that pure shooting in general that Kevin Love does. And then he also gives you some of that Andrew Wiggins athleticism and being able to cut and find nifty ways to get to the basket and flip up these nice shots. Right. So I like the versatility that. Kawhi Kuzma gives LeBron James without necessarily even having had to have touched the ball, you know? Kawhi Kuzma has never been a pound-the-ball type of guy. So I think he will just eat off of LeBron this season, and he has a good chance to score 20 points, you know? I think the thing that'll... Separate him even more and allow him to make that leap is if he's actually improved defensively. I think a lot of things will boil down to how guys have improved defensively, but I think none more so than Kyle Kuzma, right? Because he's shown some flashes and he definitely has the body and the measurables to be a good defender. And he's got, he's beefed up this summer, he's bulked up. So it'll be interesting to see if that, if he makes that leap in that sense. Even if he's just like a marginally average defender, I think that will take him to the next level.
2: Well, and Kyle Kuzma, I'm pretty sure. I mean, don't quote me on this, but I'm was he not? Wasn't he like all Pac-12 first team defense he when he was You're a right? Junior? He was, yeah. So he he was known for being a decent, at least a pretty good defender in college. Um Hard adjustment for everybody, I think. Like two things: number one, Bi was a second year player. Actually, as a first year player, Bi is like if you look at his advanced metrics for defense, they were not great. But as a second year player. Much, much better. Um, And B.I., there's no reason he should be a bad defensive player. It's just when you're a rookie, I think there's an adjustment. And then our other main rookie, Lonzo, was just like a freak of nature defensively. Like, none of us saw that coming. I mean, I think we thought he would be okay. I think we thought that he would probably not be as bad as everybody kept saying he was going to be defensively because he had the measurables and quickness. But he was like one of the best point guard defenders in the NBA, like like even beyond rookies. So that kind of made the fact that Kuzma was below average as a defender kind of stand out a little bit more. But like you said, if he's just average, it's going to be a huge improvement.
1: Yeah. And so I also have like a a second answer to this. And to a lesser extent, I do also see Josh Hart potentially benefiting the most. That's if he actually gets the minutes. You know, there's some positional battles going on with KCP uh, potentially starting out with all the minutes and potentially even just starting in general. And uh, there's that Rich Paul dynamic to all of that. Um So if Josh Hart is able to beat KCP out and continue to show the promise that he did in summer league and towards the end of last season, I think he's the perfect type of shooting guard next to LeBron James because he also doesn't really need the ball, even though he's shown the propensity to be able to take guys off the dribble, especially this summer league. Um, he's the type of guy who can finish well. He can shoot really well. And he's just that hustle type of guy that you just, I think, I think the reason why I see Kyle Kuzman, Josh Hart fitting in the best is just because they are the types of guys that are flexible and fluid. And you can pretty much put them on any roster and you're not really giving up anything. You know, they're not going to really dominate the ball, or they need this to be this. So that's why I think Josh Hart could potentially also benefit the most. But in terms of making the leap, I probably think Kyle Kuzma, especially with how hard he's been working and working out with uh, Kobe Bryant, the Black Mamba this summer. Mamba! So before we get to my interview with Alex Bazell, Tommy, I wanted to get your thoughts on Mo Wagner and what you think his role will be this summer. And if you think that he could actually Get some rotation minutes, especially because presumably there will be at least, you know, 20 to 25 minutes at the center spot available. So one, I wanted to ask you about what you what you think of Mo Wagner and then two, whether you think he'll be able to crack the rotation.
3: This is Mike from the Almighty Baller Network. It's nice to have a helping hand, especially when it's tax season and that hand is attached to a licensed tax professional. With TurboTax Live, you can talk to real CPAs and EAs on demand. Who can review your return with you before you file and to make sure you get your maximum refund? They can even check your work line by line so you can be confident it's done right. Who knew confidence and peace of mind could be synonymous with taxes? TurboTax Live with CPAs and EAs on demand. See details at turbotax.com. Let TurboTax Live be your helping hand. Visit TurboTax.com today.
2: I think Mo Wagner is a super interesting prospect. Um in terms of just generally what do I think of him, I I like the fact – and I'm actually surprised we haven't talked about this before. But I like the fact that the Lakers continue to put their money where their mouth is. You know what I mean? Like you hear all this talk about Palenka and Magic like, oh, we want guys who can do all kinds of different things. We want guys who love basketball. We want guys who are competitors and blah, 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 this and that. But then they go out and they actually execute on that. Mo Wagner is a complete lunatic. When he's on the floor, <laughs> like, he is, dude. He's, like, you know, like a 7-foot, like, 250-pound version of Sasha Vuchik in, in, like, a lot of ways. <laughs> like, he's trying to get under people's skin. How many people at the center position do that? You know, I know people at other positions do that. But at the center position, it's so rare that you find something like that. And then... Not only does he do that, usually when guys do that kind of stuff, they're compensating for something else in their game. Oh, Kenneth Fareed is like this crazy rebounder that came out of nowhere and he sprints the floor and gets dunks and does all this acrobatic stuff. Well, that's because he can't, literally can't do anything else Like in the half court if you pass him the ball and he plays no defense. So it's like people usually overcompensate with one thing to, to hide their flaws and... The weird thing about Mo Wagner is he's not really that flawed of a player. Like, what doesn't he do? He's a center who competes super... I mean, at this stage, you can say his defense is not good. Okay, that's fair. But he's also a rookie, and he needs to get in better shape. But he... I think that can be improved. And it's just crazy to me that there's a guy who competes this hard on defense and just generally competes hard, and then also can you know step out and hit a three. And also, if the three is not available, we'll put the ball on the floor and take it to the basket mm-hmm. as a seven-foot, 250-pound center. Like That kind of skill set is so rare. I mean, you can really count probably on, I don't know, one hand, the guys who play this the center position that can do that. And again, not to say that Mo Wagner isn't that caliber of player, but it's a very, very interesting you know, mesh of skills that he brings to the table. And I don't think the fact that he was a four-year college college player, right? Yep, was. I, I don't think the fact that he was a four-year college player should be used as like a strike against him. I think he has a lot of room to improve. If anything, you saw it last year with Kyle Kuzma, who was a three-year college player. Like, Sometimes these big men get pigeonholed in college and it's just they if they're if they're team players they have to go with what the coach is saying you know Mo Wagner had to be the big man for Michigan he was the big probably the biggest if not one of the biggest players on the court every single night that he went out there and that's what he had to do so although you saw like these moves that he has that we saw in the summer league you saw it in flashes in college He's going to get so much more freedom to utilize those skills in the NBA. Um, To your second question, I don't know, despite all that, if he's going to crack the rotation. I will say Luke Walton has a already proven record of, again, putting his money where his mouth is. If somebody is playing better, that person is going to play. Mm -hmm. And I frankly don't think like seniority matters with him. I don't think how much money you're making matters with him. If you're playing better... You're gonna play, and I think he has to maintain that uh, mentality because that's a part of this culture that we're trying to build. And if you start making exceptions for certain people, then it, it completely the whole thing is gonna crumble. Like you know, people always talk about like oh the Spurs with Pop and how he built that culture there, and and how he built that culture there was. It doesn't matter if you're you know. Uh, Steven Jackson, or I I, can't, I was trying to think of a more obscure player. Who was a random player, like in the old days Spurs? It uh, doesn't matter if you're Matt Bonner or you're <laughs> Tim Duncan. If you make a mistake, you're going to get chewed out by um, Greg Popovich. And I think that's the exact same mentality that Luke is trying to bring. And for that reason, I think it's very possible Mo cracks the rotation. I, the only reason I still hesitate that he will be like a permanent fi- to say he'll be a permanent fixture in the rotation is because Zubots looks like he's improved a lot. Um, the dude has lost like 20 pounds. Uh, he's bigger. He's more, I, I, not bigger, I guess he's, he theoretically should be a better defender because he's been, he's had more D league experience. He's had more NBA experience, obviously. Um, he dropped 20 pounds this summer. He looks like more spry and athletic than ever. And I'm actually really, really interested to see how, how that situation goes. So, I, you know, I think Mo will see spot minutes. And if he ends up outperforming Zoo, he'll crack the rotation. But at this stage, it's just so hard to say. I think he'll be a guy that, you know, season end comes and we'll be like, okay, Mo played in like 30 or 40 games this year.
1: I'm going to go out on a limb now and predict it. Mo Wagner is this year's Josh Hart. I think he's going to find a way to inevitably get around 15 to 20 minutes. You heard it here first because, you know, that's great that Zubats has lost 20 pounds. But if you look at the types of guys and the types of bigs that LeBron has excelled with in the past, Mo Wagner is like a combination of both. He's like Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love, son. I keep on making these ridiculous combos. But I'm being serious because we lost Brook Lopez, right? And LeBron, not only does he excel with shooters, obviously, but Mo Wagner is that perfect pick-and-pop type of big next to LeBron. And not only that, but he can cut, he can attack closeouts he's a tenacious tenacious defender so I just think the shooting acumen that he can provide at the five spot for LeBron if obviously he delivers when he gets the chance and look his competition is Zubats and JaVale McGee maybe some Michael Beasley it's not that hard honestly for him to carve out a role so I think it'll ebb and flow obviously but I think If he gets a shot or once he gets a shot and he's able to actually capitalize on that, I think they'll soon find that he will play like a perfect role around LeBron James. And he's going to be so open on the baseline. And the baseline shot is one of his
2: easiest three-point shots to knock down. And like we've seen the Warriors and other teams and like the Spurs, I think famously too. Teams have in the past done like a three-headed monster center rotation where they just have three guys that... They pretty much all end up averaging about the same number of minutes, but like on any given night, one guy might play more depending on matchups. Who knows? Maybe we end up doing something like that too. You know, obviously it's going to come down to training camp and, you know, objectively who is just playing better um, in terms of beginning of the season rotations. But if all three guys end up playing really well, which I think is really possible given the uh, rest of the roster we've constructed, I think... We could see a situation where, like, all three guys end up playing. They all kind of bring different things to the table. Like, JaVale is the best defender and um, the most acrobatic and can play above the rim, and LeBron excels with guys like that. Zubats, though, is a pretty stable force and has some decent post moves, and he could fit in well with, like, the bench unit or even with a guy like Rondo who can hit him on pick and rolls. Um, And then Mo Wagner also fits well with LeBron and you know, he can spread the floor. So they all kind of do different things. And, and uh, the one thing, the one caveat I will say with the 15 minute prediction that you're giving is it's going to come down to his defense because he came in as a pretty poor defender in terms of what the scouts viewed him as. And, He didn't look amazing as a defender in in, uh, preseason. Or sorry, not preseason. Oh, uh, boy,
1: do I have an episode for you, Tommy. (laughs) (laughs) As you will learn with with Alex, that's a lot of what they worked on this summer. And even though he got got punked a lot, right, uh, in summer league, that was his biggest thing, the strength thing. But you also saw... Aspects and areas in which his activity actually bore some actual tangible, not only stats but actual productive defense. In look, he
2: averaged two point three steals and one point three blocks. Well, you know, and, so. and that's what I was about to say. Like he has he has really good hands. He has a really good nose for the ball, and he's very very smart. And also, frankly, he's physically gifted enough to be a good defender. Like when we drafted this guy. Everybody was talking about him like he was going to be like, um, I don't want to use Matt Bonner again, but he like, <laughs> he was going to be like Matt Bonner as a defender. You know what I mean? Like essentially like non existent. But when you look, you started looking at some of his like combine numbers and his pro day numbers or, you know, th- the shuttle run and like, uh, like the three quarter court sprint, it was like, wait a minute, there were like point guards that we were targeting. That Mo, or like when I say we, I mean like you and I and Alan, like talking about um, as prospects, there were like point guards that we were looking at who measured worse than Mo Wagner in some of those purely like speed um, tests. And so he really should be a good defender. But, you know, like you said, maybe if he's been working on it all summer, then, then maybe he'll, he'll come in ready
1: all about guarding that pick and roll and moving your feet on the perimeter, man. And we're going to turn it over now to the expert and he'll give us a lot more insight into a lot of the underrated aspects of Mo's game. Some of the misconceptions of Mo's game coming into the draft and just what they've worked on basketball skills wise to try and dispel all of that. So, well, without further ado, we're going to turn it over now to my interview with Pure Sweat Basketball Skills Coach Alex Bazel, and we will catch you guys after the turn. As you take your step to the next level, what do you want Lakers fans to know about who Mo is?
4: I'm just going to give it all, my hundred percent every day. That's all that matters. I love basketball, and uh, yeah, whatever happens, happens. But I'm going to love it, and uh, I'm going to leave it all out there.
1: Well, congratulations, Thanks, Mo. You so much. All right, tonight we are pleased to round out our Mo Wagner profile and bring on basketball skills coach Alex Bazell of Pure Sweat Basketball. He's going to be on with us tonight to talk about his specific work with Mo Wagner regarding his basketball skills and what he worked on pre-draft wise and what he's continuing to work on with Mo to round out his game. Uh, Alex, you've been a very busy man this summer and uh, you, you told me that you currently just moved to LA. How are you doing amidst all of that?
3: Oh, man. I love the transition is pretty easy when you don't have to plan for winters at all. So I'm from the Midwest. So I, it's like extreme weather out there. We get like two weeks of 75 and then it's either 100 or 30. So this is a nice little change of pace for me.
1: Well, welcome to L.A., and I know you're out near the west side, near the beach, so that should help alleviate all the hotness and the heat wave that we've gotten this summer. So, you know, in the prior episode, we were able to talk to Travel Gaines, and I know you've used his facility a lot, Athletic Gaines, out in Las Vegas, and he was able to give us some insight into the strength and conditioning prep that Mo went through uh, to prep for the draft and to prepare for the NBA season. So it's kind of great to fully round things out now with the on-court component of things, with the uh, baton being passed on to the basketball team skills coach, uh, you who then works specifically with the player to round out his game and perfect the specific basketball skills that they want to hone in on and that you guys think that teams would like them to improve upon. So before we get into the Mo Wagner questions, I guess I wanted to ask you about your own elevator pitch on how you got started with pure sweat basketball. We've also talked to Drew Hanlon in the past too, but I'm guessing that you played basketball at some former level, whether that be collegiately or whatnot. So if you want to just give me your quick elevator pitch on, on yourself and how you, how you got to this point.
3: Yeah. So Drew and I actually grew up together in St. Louis. Uh, We had played against each other. He was a year older than me. Um, So he had at the time been training like Bradley Beal, who had, I think, just gotten out at Chaminade. He was a freshman at Florida. Obviously had David Lee, which are two St. Louis guys. So I was over in Germany actually playing overseas and I had come home and I worked out with Drew once and he had mentioned he wanted to kind of start building this this training program, which is, you know, pure sweat, which is now kind of a world renowned training program. And that's kind of how I got into it. I started training like local players and worked up from there. And, um, (laughs) you know, here we are.
1: That's awesome. So before you started working with uh, Mo Wagner, when did your relationship with him begin? Did it span as recently as this past summer as he was preparing for the draft? Or did it begin a little earlier?
3: Yeah, no. So, you know, I had been working with Rock Nation, they knew they were going to use me as their uh, basketball trainer for pre draft. And uh, they had known fairly early on like most of these agents they know kind of who they're in the door with who they think they might get rock nation had a strong inclination that they they may be getting mo so as soon as that was said like they gave me a list of five names and i i really started studying film so obviously some of the names came to fruition the others ended up going another way but um the good thing is before mo got out here i had watched all his film from the past Mm -hmm. you know three or four years at at michigan so I, i knew what kind of player he was i knew what he needed i knew what He might struggle with and and what scouts and teams we're going to look for to try to expose him with in pre draft. So once he got to me, um, we hadn't worked together, but I kind of knew his game front and back. So it was a, a very smooth transition.
1: That's awesome. And, and when, when we had Drew on, he kind of detailed out to us how diligently you guys work in terms of the prep planning that goes before you guys even meet with the clients. And that includes, you know, watching all the game tape on him, even watching interviews of the player to get his characteristics and personality. So I think just using that holistic approach and everything is great. So when you were studying Mo's game before meeting him, what aspects of his game stood out to you? What did you think he already had a good fundamental base on?
3: Think of Mo Wagner and you look at his game. You're like, "Oh, that dude can shoot it." So, him being able to shoot with how big he is, and and a lot of people don't realize. I mean, Mo's every bit of six eleven, and he's wide. He's not one of those thin rails like when Dirk came in the league, how <laughs> skinny he was. Um, so obviously, that's a comparison he gets just because he's German. It's like, "Oh, he's tall. He's German. <laughs> dude, he's Dirk." <laughs> well, right. I mean, not not really, but I can see the comparison. So um, for Mo, it was like, "Man, this guy has really good footwork." um he's really diligent but it's like okay there's a couple flaws that that I see that might get him exposed um some on the defensive end in terms of handling a ball pick uh, pick and roll situation where he's guarding the point guard coming off or shooting guard coming off so we worked on that a lot but it's like all I try to do is just work off his strength his strength was his shooting ability. So how how can we play off that especially in pick and roll situations where that defense isn't Short or long closeout situations.
1: Now, when you actually first met up with Mo, what were the specific things that Mo or even Rock Nation outlined that they wanted to hone in on? And was there anything else that you saw that you felt like you thought he should specifically work on uh, outside of the things that you've just mentioned?
3: Honestly, there wasn't a huge discussion about you know going back and forth about here's what I think, here's what I think. I kind of just presented him with the facts, like hey, here's what here's what it is. Here are your stats that's here's what you're doing with, over your right shoulder your left shoulder here's your numbers from mid post pick and roll so it's like there's not a big sense of oh this is what i think this is what i think you just present them with the facts you mm-hmm. present them with film and then we kind of roll from there um and more times than not it's like the biggest thing the biggest challenge is figuring out one is this is this player going to buy in if the player buys in it's a wrap right. it's easy and mo is one of those kids who's like hey i just want to get better i want to I want to be in the right situation. He wasn't worried about being, you know, because some of the talk was he might go as early as I think 13 or 14 to Washington. His thing was like, I just want to be in the right situation. he literally said, I don't care if I'm early second round. I want to get in the right situation because I, I know if I do, I'm going to handle my business how I should. So to the start, it was, it was more so of here's what I think, you know, here's what I know. Um, and Mel was like, cool, let's do it. It was pretty cool and <laughs> pretty simple.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. So when it came down to NBA Draft Combine and Pro Day and all that stuff and prepping Mo Wagner for specific teams and workouts with teams, what was the presiding conversation regarding Mo outside of him potentially maybe going to Washington? Was was there a particular thing that you guys wanted to focus in on to prove to teams or like dispel any misconceptions of his game? What, what was the... Yeah, the presiding perspective on mo coming into the draft that you guys felt most teams had and that you guys
3: tried to dispel. So honestly the like the whole pre-draft process is it's very strange. Just in the sense of you work on almost everything because all you want to do is you want to showcase that your guy can pretty much do whatever's asked of him whether mm-hmm. it's mid post, whether it's coming off pick and rolls, whether it's getting the ball in iso situation, can he get a bucket. So um It's very strange in a sense of you work on all this stuff to show that they're capable and show they have the potential to kind of almost be a a feature player or or a top three option on a contending team. And then in all reality, when they get into their their first couple of years, they have a very condensed role and they kind of have to prove themselves. So it's that fine line of, okay, what is he going to need in order to be successful this year? And then what does he need in order to get in the right situation and, and be as high a pick as we think he should be? Um, so all of that is is very it's it's a it's a constant back and forth battle. But um, we kind of knew that a lot of teams were going to try to expose Mo on pick and rolls. Mm-hmm. Um, the easy thing for me is I was a point guard that that played overseas. Obviously, there's a lot more talented, quicker guys that. He's going to go against but I could give him somewhat of a realistic look of okay I'm coming off the ball screen full speed you got to contain me um, so we just kept going back and forth and he'd have to guard for 15-20 minutes straight non-stop and it wears you down but it, it gets you used to actually moving your feet you can't really simulate mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook coming off the screen <laughs> Russell Westbrook but We knew that's what they were really going to challenge him on. So it was more about him moving his hips, moving his feet and getting comfortable with that. So when he did step into the, to the draft workouts, it was, it was kind of simple and stuff he's already worked on.
1: That's awesome. So regarding how he played in Michigan, and obviously when when a player enters a, enters a specific program, he plays a specific role. And regarding the type of offense they play and, and the type of role they want him to play, were there certain aspects of Moe's game that he wanted to showcase or highlight more when it came to, you know, the next level regarding the NBA that maybe NBA scouts haven't necessarily seen if they just focused in on Michigan game tape? Or do you think his, his career in Michigan was was a bit of a microcosm of everything he can do?
3: Yeah, no, I, I think the biggest thing was showing his athleticism and mm-hmm. showing he could put the ball on the floor. Um, again, Mo's ability is to be able to catch and shoot. So let's say he gets a he sets a pick and roll, he pops, and he gets the ball, and now he's got a 6'11 guy closing out on him. We want to show he has that ability to rip. He gets cut off. He can change direction. He can make a play. He can finish at the rim above the rim. So I think that's kind of what stood out to most people is we worked on a lot of mid-posts where he was able to do little fadeaways. Like, even we did the one-foot Dirk fadeaway. We're like, well, shoot, <laughs> he's going to be compared to Dirk. Let's just do a Dirk move. And they're like, right. oh, wow, this guy's Dirk. <laughs> you know, like, he's not. He's going to be a different player. There's not going to be another Dirk. But it's good to show stuff like that because teams can see that and like, oh, shoot, you know, he's he's doing a lot more than he showed at Michigan. So I think that was the biggest component of, let's just show everything. And and obviously, every time we did a rip or we did a jab and go to the rim, whatever it was, he was always trying to punch it at the end. So I think that that's probably the the big thing that stood out to most people. Hey, this is Brian from the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, here to talk about keeps.
4: So there's just no two ways to say it. Losing hair is awful. Nobody wants to go through it. And two out of three guys are going to experience hair loss by the time they're 35. This is the world we live in, people. Now, I personally haven't started this you know, downturn, but I got a couple of people close to my life that go through it, and they always say, should have started it sooner rather than later. So anyways, these FDA-approved products used to cost so much, but now, thanks to Keeps, They're finally inexpensive and easy to get. For five minutes now and starting just $10 per month, you'll never have to worry about hair loss again. So they've ironed out the process. Basically, you just take a photo of your hair and you shoot it over and a licensed physician will review the information and recommend the right treatment to you. And then, boom, shipped right to your door every three months. So Keeps is only $10 to $35 a month. Uh, Plus now you can get your first month free Uh, To to what? To keep your hair. So come on, what are we talking about here? To receive your first month of treatment for free, go to keeps.com slash almighty. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash almighty. That's a free month of treatment at keeps.com slash almighty. Keeps hair today, hair tomorrow. Got it. Now,
1: with regards to his strength and conditioning, you know, Travell outlined to us, you know, once these players leave college, they just have a lot more time to just really work on their craft without any restrictions. So did he really try and focus on getting stronger while maintaining the ability to, you know, stay lean so that he can maintain his fluidity and agility to be able to contain guards on the perimeter and stuff like that and what went into just him increasing his athleticism and I guess this goes into the larger question of when it came down to showcase all of those things how did the pro day go and obviously he kind of killed it in the draft combine with regards to measurements and shuttle run and whatnot but if you could just give me an overview of just like how the strength and conditioning plays into what you do and then and then on the other side of that what people were saying when, when Mo kind of put it all together.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, the good thing is with Travell and I's relationship is we were constantly communicating and we were communicating Mm -hmm. with the player. It wasn't okay. This is my, these are my two hours now. Good luck with your two hours. Type (laughs) thing. it's like, okay, let's listen to the player's body. Um, When are your tough days going to be? I can schedule around that because let's face it. Like for Mo, his big thing is athleticism. Everyone knows he's skilled. So, with me, it's like okay, I gotta, I gotta drop my ego, and in some days, it's like okay, we're gonna walk through the footwork stuff, we're gonna walk through stuff because Travell's really gonna kill you, and then <laughs> tomorrow we're gonna get after it, and then Travell's gonna have a little lighter day. So I think that was one of the big things because a lot of our athletes that w- we had three or four different pre-draft athletes, and they all did really well just in terms of everything all around because it was we made it about the player, not about personal gain, and that's what it's always about. And in some days. You know, you have to tell the players to be honest. It's a very stressful time for them because it's, there's so much pressure on them. Right. right? Every, every day they're expected to perform and and be at their best. And, and let's face it, a guy like Moe, who's going towards the end of the first round or possibly mid first round, he's going to have to work out for 10 to 12 teams in the span of 20 to 24 days. So, um, there was all those components and factors that went, that it went into it. But, um, I think the pro day went unbelievably well. And all we did was honestly, we didn't have a different workout. Like we would almost run through the same workout over and over and over every single day for two and a half months straight. So by the time that, that pro day rolled around and you had, you know, Rob Kalinka and magic sitting there in the front row, it's like, well, shoot, I've been doing this every day for a month and a half straight. It doesn't matter who's watching. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So that way he, he mastered it. He got everything he needed. And, and once you master something like that, your confidence is, is through the roof. So, um, that was by far, like that was his best day. And it, it's probably because he had that extra adrenaline rolling. I mean, everything looked great and crisp and and which it should have because he, he'd he been working on it for so long.
1: Yeah, I was seeing his off-the-dribble tomahawk jams and then him just shooting the lights out. So that was very impressive to see. What was the chatter coming out of that, that pro day and just the chatter leading up to draft day? Was he feeling confident that he'd be taken in the first round at that point?
3: Yeah, I, I think they knew um from the sounds of it for sure like I think there were three main teams in play at the start and I think it was Washington around 13 I forget if they're 13 14 whatever it was Mm -hmm. um and then Milwaukee had pick 19 I we knew Milwaukee liked them but we knew when um DiVincenzo dropped that it was probably out of play because they loved him as well um and then after that we pretty much knew that it was kind of be it would be the Lakers. So the good news is, is Joe Branch, his agent at rock nation and Rod Polinka actually had worked together in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, so from the sounds of it, they had kind of been talking like, yeah, we really love Mo. If he's going to be there, we're going to take him." But uh, from the sounds of it, it kind of talks went dead for about 30 minutes. So they got worried, but sure enough, <laughs> Rob called and was like, Hey, Mo, we, you know, we love you. We're going to take you here at pick 25 next. So um, it, you know, you never know until, you know, so it's always going to be stressful regardless, but, uh I would have been shocked if if he rolled outside of the first round with with all the tools he has, and you know it's a shooting league now and and yep. that's definitely what mo can bring to the table
1: right and I'm sure having left everything out on the court, he would have been fine with his performance either way at that point but um And this might be a rhetorical question, but did anything change with regards to your guys' regiment after getting drafted by the Lakers and then again after the Lakers signed LeBron? Or were were things you guys were working on, was that pretty much just status quo and we'll just ramp things up? Or was there a bit of an adjustment in terms of, okay, this might be a role, we may need to focus on this more? Or were the things you were working on already things that he'd need to work on regardless?
3: No, so, you know, when these rookies get drafted, they're pretty much with their teams. So it's it's more so communicating and, and figuring out now that I'm in LA, it makes it very easy. When Mo mm-hmm. has an off day, I'm there. When Mo needs extra work, I'm there. So um, but honestly, we were joking about when <laughs> when LeBron decided to go to LA, it's like, well, shoot, the whole pre draft we should have just worked on you standing in the corner and being ready to catch and shoot. Like Kevin, <laughs> like Kevin loves Love. <laughs> But honestly, like we were both really excited about that because I mean, LeBron's the best in the league. He makes everybody better and he's gonna make Mo's life a lot easier Um, and it's a guy he can definitely learn and pick his pick his brain from so you know when that happened obviously once we get closer to the season like I said like the odds on Mo getting a ton of hey we're gonna roll you the ball and get everyone out of the way it's slim to none (laughs) so it's like okay we need to now prepare you for the role you're gonna be in so that role might be just picking picking pops you know little post-ups space out to the corner drift stuff like that so um, now that we're closer to the year um and you know he had that little setback in getting injured at summer league but now that we're close to the year we kind of really get to focus in on here's what you need to do well in order to play and then we can kind of build off that
1: gotcha so with regards to Moe's Summer League performance, I know he, it was cut short in Vegas, but he was able to play in all three in Sacramento. Uh, what did you think of his performance? And did, did you get an idea of what he thought about his own performance? And I know he had to adjust to the physicality of the NBA and playing against bigger, stronger, faster players. Um, how did he take that adjustment?
3: I thought Moe played really well. And again, it's when you play Summer League, you're playing first and second year guys. So even the... The reality of it isn't going to hit until you know that first actual game where he might have to match up with a Kevin Love, or they, you know, mm-hmm. he might have to match up with with another All Star across from him. So, um, it's it's something that you use summer league as a learning tool. And obviously, everyone wants to perform, everyone wants to play, you know, as well as they can play. But uh, from all, I think the biggest disappointment was getting injured because he looked at it as time he was not able to get back and be on the court and really build um but it is what it is you know i you get you get handed things you have to deal with it you have to adjust and you have to go from there but uh i think he was he was decently happy with his performance like any guy in the league all the best players in the league that i've worked with or been around they're never satisfied with whatever performance they have they always think i should have done this i should have done this so the good news is is mo has got that mindset he's never like oh well you know i had eight points and I'm happy with that because I'm in the NBA. You know, he wants to perform. He wants his team to win every game. So uh, that's the biggest thing I learned of of most competitiveness. So that was refreshing to see. Uh, And now it's like, okay, now we just got to make sure he's healthy and ready to roll for, for training camp.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, in summer league, I think what I appreciated the most out of him was in spite of the fact that his shooting percentages were a bit subpar, you know, in Sacramento, he only shot five of 16 from three 31%. But I think the willingness to shoot is the biggest thing at this point, wouldn't you agree, especially for a rookie in terms of not getting the hiccups and just trusting that that eventually will come around?
3: Yeah, well, I mean, again, you you can look at summer league two ways, you can look at it and say, Ah, he should have done better. And then, you know, obviously it's like, oh wow, he played really well. He's gonna be an all star. Like I mean, playing well in summer league doesn't guarantee anything. There's plenty yes. of guys that came in and played really well and then kind of flopped. And just the opposite. There's guys that struggled and turned into be some of the top players in the league. So for Mo, it's like, Hey, listen, man, they didn't they didn't draft you to not shoot the ball. You know, they picked you at that spot because of your shooting ability. So it makes no sense for you to step out in the court and be scared to shoot. <laughs> you know, that's why they right. brought you here. So to doubt that would be a would be a mistake. So I don't think Mo's ever going to doubt that. If he's open, he's going to let it fly.
1: So regarding Mo's personality and work ethic, you know, I've heard that he's a very uh, funny, witty guy. He's very extroverted. How is he when it comes down to getting serious and just honing in on his craft? I've I've seen a couple interviews with him where it just seems like he's a very knowledgeable guy who just who's pretty much like a sponge and just soaks up all the information and is is able to actually spit it out back to you as well and he's very it seems like he's very self aware of his own game and what he needs to work on so if you want to speak to mo's personality and work ethic
3: oh man mo's obviously mo's one of my favorite guys to work with and it's it's simply because he knows on that line of he has the line of okay it's time to be serious now i can talk a little bit of shit and get after you and stuff like <laughs> that so um The banter we have back and forth is, especially as we grew more and more comfortable with each other, it was like, okay, how do we motivate this guy to do this workout really well when we've been doing the same thing for the last six weeks? So it's like, okay, now I just got to start talking shit to him about, you know, Dante DiVincenzo giving him 30, giving him 31, (laughs) like me coming off the screen, be like, oh, I'm just going Dante right now. So then he, you know, then he'd start talking trash back if he blocked me or if he ripped it or whatever it was. So, um, it's like anything else. These guys are where they are because they're some of the top competitors in the world, and Mo's no different. So it's it's figuring out on days where he's super sore and, and maybe he's like, "Man, we've been doing this for six weeks straight. How do I motivate a guy like that?" But you know, Mo is very easy. He was self motivated, and like he said, he knew what he needed to do. Um, so it makes my job easy when I don't have to handle anything other than here's the skill work. And Mo's a guy that asks a lot of questions, and that you mm-hmm. know, that's those are the kind of athletes I love. So. And he's, he's okay with disagreeing. He's like, well, you know, this is, I think this would work better because of this. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, no athlete knows their game better than themselves. So it's like, we have to make sure they're comfortable and confident and actually going to use what we're teaching. Otherwise we're just wasting time. Right. So uh, that was probably the best thing about Mo's and I relationship where there's a lot of give and take and, and collaborating and meeting in the middle and, and going from there. But like I said before, if I threw out a, a situation or what I thought he needed, I would show him film work of guys who'd done it in the past. And he's like, cool, let's get after it.
1: Sounds like the exact type of player that LeBron would love as a teammate, you know, because he's drawn to high basketball IQ type guys who can think for themselves as well. And it seems like Mo is on the right track in that respect. Oh, um, sure. What other aspects of Mo's game do you feel like are underrated and not as blatant uh, to the public eye outside of you know you mentioned ball handling and his ability to put the ball on the floor but is there anything else to his game that that you feel like he can continue to showcase and improve upon in the next next level in terms of he has a little bit bit of passing vision as well right so if there's anything else that you want to pinpoint
3: the big thing that I I thought stood out the most from Mo playing this past year at Michigan and, and definitely in the summer league where there's more spacing there's a lot more action off the ball is his ability to see cuts and Mm -hmm. you know a lot of people want to compare him to Dirk but I think like the big comparison and just in terms of him catching at the pinch post or high post is is like that that Chris Webber or even Mm -hmm. Vladi Divac type vision where he can just Brad Miller and and yeah exactly and he's got like that that swag where he you know that little thing that sets him apart where he's just going to be super confident if he turns it over he's like ah that's my bad but it's not going to change how he plays the next possession Um, so I think his confidence and his passing ability and honestly, just how, how big he is. I think people Mm. don't realize just how big Mo is. And, and I was with him every day and I didn't realize until I'm watching him in summer. This guy is the biggest guy on the court every (laughs) single time, (laughs) you know, and when you're around someone every day, it's, it's like, if you have a brother, if you have a son or, and they're growing like crazy, you don't notice as much as the person that hadn't seen him in in two months. (laughs) So it was, that's, I think the biggest. Takeaway is just how how well he can pass and how big he is, and I think it sets up opportunities for you know offensive rebounds, get extra possessions, and when you got LeBron running the show, it's anytime you can get the ball in his hands more, it's always a plus.
1: Absolutely, that's also what stood out to me when I first saw him in terms of like this guy's pretty hefty. He's got a pretty solid base down there. You know, initially you hear about his game and that he's like a pure shooter, and you want to say. 610, 611. Okay. Ryan Anderson, right? But then you look at his body. It's like, no, this guy can set mountains of yeah. screens, you know, and he can really play down low if, if he continues to develop, um, that, that base of his and continues to strengthen his body. So that, that was really impressive with regards to if there are any other sort of comps and what, what sort of other players did you try and? show to Mo in terms of ways that he could continue to mold his game. Because for me, you know, I have like a, a melding of several different players that include, I was watching Spencer Hawes highlights the other day and I was like, oh, this is kind of like Mo because he likes to operate it at the top of the key. And he does a lot of those bounce passes and whip passes to cutting guys. And also Spencer Hawes could, you know, he was a pretty good shooter as well. So, and, and a little more agile than, than most uh, low post type big men. So I don't know if there were any other types of guys that you kind of, tried to veer Mo towards when you were watching game game tape with him?
3: Honestly, it's like, you know, when we worked on mid posts and post ups and stuff like that, um, I don't really distinguish between, Hey, this is who I think you're going to be like, you (laughs) got to be like, so honestly, it's like, okay, what, who did really well in the post? Like who's got great footwork? Obviously think about like the best footwork probably of all time in terms of posts is Kim Lajuan. So it's, It's using certain things and figuring out how do we take what he did and mold it into how Mo moves. So we would always joke because I played in Germany and Mo was actually in the league below me. Granted, Mo was like, I was joking, Mo was like 12 at the time. (laughs) No, But Mo was like 15 and he was in the league below me. So we'd always talk trash about Mo. Like I played over there. I played with a lot of Germans and I always joke. I'm like, man, you have that German rhythm to you. We need to get that German (laughs) rhythm out of you. So, and we need to give you more American type rhythm in your game. So it was, you know, a lot of different stuff from the mid post, like fadeaway, shimmies. Like, so Chris Bosch, we watched a lot in terms of face mm-hmm. up because he's very good with changing pace and changing angles. Um, same thing, like Kevin Love, when he was in Minnesota, we, he's got a very similar type body. You know, people yeah. forget how Kevin Love used to be definitely a lot heavier than he is now. Um, in like bigger. So he, and he used to put people in the post and Mo's kind of got that same type body. Um, so it's just figuring out different guys and and figuring out ways to work on his footwork and show at the end of the day, it's like, Hey, here's how you do the footwork. Here's Chris, Chris Bosch doing it. Granted, he's six eleven, same size. He's probably got a little bit quicker step, but the rhythm is no different. Like you, you shouldn't make an excuse on, I don't have the rhythm just because he's quicker and can jump higher you know right. rhythm has nothing to do with those two so um just in that sense it's it's very easy to to find guys and do what they do well and then try to translate it to most game
1: now i don't want to place any high expectations over him or anything like that but you know when i first saw his shooting mechanics it did remind me of kevin love It just did the stance like the the yep. two-step hop into it where everything is kind of parallel to each other from the legs to it, it just reminded me of kevin love but if Mo continues down the trajectory he's been down and continues to work as hard as he has been, how good of a shooter can this guy be in the next level?
3: Oh, I think he can be a plus 40% three-point shooter for sure, especially with the guys that they have on the team this year with Rondo and uh, and obviously LeBron, a lot of different playmakers where you're going to have to help on those guys. Those guys are too good to just try to match up one-on-one, and eventually he's going to find spots of, of open shots. So um, honestly, just in terms of his overall potential, I, it's really hard to pinpoint. There's a lot of factors that go into it, but I think he can be a, a very key piece by the time he's in his prime on a contender. Now, you know, that may be short selling him. That may be, you know, cutting him a little bit lower than what he thinks he's able to. But for me, it's like, it's not really on the coaches can pick anybody top five or anyone. Number one pick it's, it's very clear on, how does his game translate to his system? And then how does his confidence grow within that? I mean, it's a, it's a confidence game. So if Mo gets out into a good start and plays really well and, you know, keep things keep rolling, then who knows? He could be an all star. I, I don't know. He's, he's got all the tools. So now it's just figuring out how he's going to do against, you know, when the real lights turn on. And that's kind of, that's kind of up to Mo and it's up to the coaches to put him in the right spot. So I'm not going to put a ceiling on Mo. I, I think he's, He's got a very, very high one, and and you know we'll see what happens.
1: Absolutely. So one of my last questions regarding um, on-court basketball play is defensively, outside of the work that you've done with him perimeter-wise and just trying to contain guards off screens and whatnot. How how do you view him in terms of rim protection? Do you think he'll ever be that sort of player? Or do you think he's able to make up with that with just how? active he is and how high his motor is at all times in terms of diving on the floor and scrambling for loose balls and contesting every shot in his vicinity.
3: No, I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of just his energy level. I mean, there's a lot of guys that, you know, can touch the top of the backboard, but they get 0.5 blocks per game. It's like, why is that? <laughs> well, they're just not active. They're not, they don't want it enough. And I think Mo's thing is what's going to set him as part is his IQ so high is he's going to always put himself in the right positions And defense is more about position defense than it is about, oh let me just go jump and try to block this guy. I mean, everyone's athletic. You're not going to just stop Russell Westbrook regardless. You just got to make it tough on him. And I think Mo is learning the verticality and and being in the right spots. And it's very different from college because you have the defensive three second rule. So it's, it's learning the two nine, how to two nine and, and how to drop backside and, and maybe how to hold a little bit longer on, on a show on a ball screen. So, It's all those little things that Mo is going to pick up really quick because of how smart he is. And then it's after that, it's just like, you know, let your energy do the work.
1: Absolutely. So my last question to you today, and thank you again for hopping on with us, is your outlook on this LeBron James-led Lakers team and just the potential that Mo has, especially on a team where the center position is kind of up for grabs, you know, and it's all about versatility these days and just kind of what the Lakers want to do this season in terms of, hey, we're going to play small ball. We're going to need versatile guys who can do more than one thing. And obviously shooting helps that tremendously. And probably on this team, Mo's Mo's probably, if he gets a shot and is able to show out, one of the best shooters already on the team. How do you think, is, is Mo the type of guy that, Let's say he gets a shot, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes a night this season. Is he the type of guy that you think will be able to excel and not shy away from the pressure or the limelight, especially when it's LeBron James, you know, passing that ball to him in the corner? And and just, I guess, your overall outlook on, on him with the Lakers, because I know at a certain point it was just, oh, Mo Wagner's joining a young, exciting team. And then that quickly shifted to, oh, Mo is with LeBron.
3: Yeah, no, I think. I think Mo, you know, if he gets a shot, I think he's going to do really well. You know, I have all the confidence in the world in Mo, and um, he's the type of the guy that he looked at LeBron getting traded there and all these other vets getting traded there as, hey, man, this is this is even a better opportunity of what I was drafted in. Mm-hmm. So it's not a, uh-oh, I, now I have to actually perform because all of a sudden LeBron comes, we're expected to contend. I mean, I don't think LeBron came here expecting to be, you know, 12th best team in the West. You know, he came here to win right. and, I think Mo also came here. He wanted to win. I mean, it's it is the NBA, but it, I mean, he's won a lot of games at Michigan. So when you win that much, I don't think it just changes just because all of a sudden you're getting you're getting paid to do it. But so right. um, you know, I think Mo's in a great spot. I think if he gets a chance uh, early on, I think he's gonna he's gonna prove why, why he was such a high draft pick for them. And um, again, you know, Robin Robin Magic are are two really good basketball minds. So um i think you know when they picked mo that high they i'm sure they had an inclination they they had a chance to get lebron and i think that mm-hmm. knowing that they said hey this guy will fit in really well with what we're trying to do um you know i think they had kind of everything planned out and what they wanted to do and what the team wanted to look like and i think mo is going to be a, a key part of this this team moving forward and um, like I said before, he's just gotta, he's gotta get out there and prove himself. Now, you know, it is what it is. You, your, your college stats, where you drafted, none of that matters when you step in a gym on day one. So, um, now it's just kind of up, up to him and, and we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what Lakers fans want to hear. And it's, it's good to know that Mo is coming from such a strong program and has such a competitive fire. I mean, they were just in the national championship game. So pretty much everything you said is right in line. So, yeah, thank you again, once again, for uh, just hopping on and giving us your insight into just just the entire process from pre-draft wise to draft to what, what's going to happen this offseason and prep for the regular season during Mo's off days and just all the work that you're putting in with him. Again, we welcome you to California and Los Angeles. We're glad you're right there for Mo to access and that you're in close proximity to him and um, before we end this show if you wanted to just plug anything that's upcoming any camps that you have going on before the summer ends and just your social media sites and whatnot please go ahead and do so
3: oh no man I'm just I'm just out here and you know trying to get comfortable trying to make some relationships so um, like the good news is 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 Mo's here I'm here and you know hopefully we can we can turn this into something special so uh, again I, I thank you thank you for having me on man and I appreciate the time and uh, we'll talk to you soon
1: Absolutely. And if you ever need any free lunch, you can come by the DreamWorks Glendale campus and I got you.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate it, man.
1: Cool. All right. We'll talk to you soon, Alex. See ya. All right. Later.